This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 266. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hood. If this is your first time listening to the show, first of all, hi, hey, hello, welcome. Glad to have you here. This podcast is for creatives who are great at what they do, but you maybe are not earning what you want to earn, and you want to learn how to earn more. As a creative, that was way too much rhyming for my own taste. You want to earn more without selling your soul? This is the podcast for you, if that sounds like you. The entire reason this show exists is because so many creatives fail to nurture the entrepreneur inside of them. You are great at nurturing the creative. You always neglect the entrepreneur. And our goal with this podcast is to give you stuff every single week to just nurture that entrepreneur side just a little bit, just to beef that side up so we can work in tandem, the creative and the entrepreneur to build an incredible freelance business. For my returning listeners, glad to have you back as always. There are a lot of amazing podcasts out there. I am honored that you keep coming back to this one for whatever reason. And I want to give a quick shout out this week to a podcast that I've been listening to for a while now. And there's a series they have that I actually want to point all of our listeners to. I feel like it should be required listening or viewing. I think they're on YouTube as well. And the series is Five Core Business Principles, Parts 1, 2, and 3. It came out last month in June. And this is on the Future Podcast with Chris Doe. Chris Doe is an incredible communicator, incredible teacher. I look up to him so much as far as his teaching style and how great he is at pulling things out of people. He's awesome. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, which I'm sure most people have at least heard of Christo because he's way bigger than this podcast. And if you're listening to this show, you should be listening to that show. But that series is excellent. And again, so much of what's in that series should be required listening for everyone listening to this podcast. So go check that out. Once you're done with this episode, today I want to talk about something that came from the series we just kind of did on freelance ups. <laughs> and the goal with that series is to point out things that freelancers typically mess up, mistakes that are made, or things that you're not doing, or things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. And the topic today actually came from one of the outlines I had for a show. And I really was like, this specific thing requires its own episode. We can't just breeze by this. And I want to do this justice by not just talking about the mistake and not just talking about the better ways of doing things, but how to actually implement a solution to this. Because I personally love having what we call like a full transformational episode where we can talk about a mistake. We can talk about why it's a mistake. We can dive into all the mental blocks and the lack of knowledge that you might have around this mistake and then help you implement a solution straight in the episode. And the mistake I want to really hone in on today is the mistake of not staying top of mind with your clients, specifically not staying top of mind for at least an entire full year. And if you think through a common scenario that so many freelancers experience, I think you'll see why. Someone comes to you, they're interested in hiring you for whatever you offer. Maybe you talk numbers, maybe you don't, but you know they're a perfect client and somehow communication just dies off. Maybe they're even ghosting you. And then fast forward, three, six, nine, 12 months later, you haven't heard from them. They haven't heard from you. You lost the gig. And truth be told, you don't even know if they ever hired anyone for it, but you know you didn't get the gig. It's just so common that I think every freelancer has experienced some form of this. And you might have a few people in the back of your mind right now that you're doing this with right now. They've recently contacted you or three, four, five, six months ago, they contacted you and you haven't touched base since then. They haven't had any sort of top of mind activities at all. And the crazy part about this is if you're doing this, you're missing out on at least double the amount of clients you could get in a year. And actually, the last time I did an analysis of my own business, I was only looking at physical like one-to-one follow-ups as far as staying top of mind, because that's only one of many methods. We'll talk about more methods in this episode, some really cool stuff that you probably haven't heard of. I know you haven't heard of at least one of these things in this episode, so I'm really excited to share what I've been doing recently. But one of the methods is just one-to-one follow-up, sending a follow-up email. And I tracked and looked at all my deals over an entire year and found that half of my income 
over an entire year span came from follow-up five or greater. So that's just one of the five different methods I'm going to talk about as far as staying top of mind today. And that's still attributed to half of my income. And if you looked into your business, you had the ability and care and grit to do what it takes to dig in and look at the numbers because it's not easy to do this, to figure out that sort of analysis of like, how many people did I follow up with this many times and what amount of income came from follow-up five or greater or whatever. That stuff's hard to do. But if you did it, you would likely see a similar trend in your business, assuming you even have followed up with anyone five times. Most people haven't even done that. And the rule of thumb that I look at that guides my my way of thinking in this is something called the 3% rule. You've probably heard me talk about this before if you're a regular listener, but you need to be reminded more than you need to be taught, right? So the 3% rule for those who don't know what it is, is of all the people in your market that could hire you, they're a good fit, they're qualified, they have a budget even, you would want to work with them, they might want to work with you. Only about 3% of those people are ready to take action at any given time. And the further down the funnel that interaction happens, the higher that number gets. It's higher than 3% of people who actually reach out and are saying, hey, how much would you be? That's not just going to be 3%. It's going to be much higher. But generally speaking, of an entire market, 3% are ready to take action right now. So the other 97% of people aren't ready yet. And you're missing out on a massive upside in your business if you don't stay top of mind with those people over an entire, let's just say a year process or however long a project cycle might be or a decision cycle might be for your specific clients. And if you are not top of mind when they're ready to make a decision, a buying decision or a hiring decision, you won't get the gig. You will get 0% of those gigs guaranteed because you're not top of mind. You're not even on the list. So staying top of mind is just to me, bare bones minimum to even be considered for at least half of the gigs that are out there, probably way more than that. And the method that I want to talk about today is something called the omnipresent strategy. Omnipresence, to sum it up, is just being everywhere and being impossible to miss. And if you do this right, it goes a long way to staying top of mind, building trust, building credibility, nurturing people, and making it so that you're not just top of mind, you're at the top of the list when they're ready to actually make a buying decision. I want to give you five different things that you can implement to build an omnipresent strategy in your business. But before we get into those five things, I want to mention that your offer really matters here. So for those freelancers who are listening right now, and you have what I call a nice-to-have offer or a small cog and a bigger machine. Maybe you're just a video editor or you're a mastering engineer or you are a colorist or what we consider like a small portion of a bigger process. If that sounds like your business model, then when we're building out our omnipresence strategy, your business only requires little BBs, just small little like, hey, I exist. Hey, I exist. They don't have to be anything crazy. They're just light little reminders that you exist. However, if you offer what I call like a transformational outcome, something that's mission critical for a business, something that takes a lot of consideration, a lot of thought, a lot of care into making sure you choose the right person, then when you're building your omnipresent strategy, you need to have nukes, not BBs. So you got to think through what is something that is going to be, I wouldn't say loud, big, destructive, anything like that, that I would think of a nuke. I'm just trying to show you how big of a difference it is between a BB and a nuke, but something that nurtures and builds trust. So just think bigger. So first, decide where you fit in that spectrum between nice to have, button seat, small cog and a big machine type service versus a transformational, mission critical type freelancer. If you're on that side of things, you're going to have to think about this through a much different lens than someone who's on the smaller side of things. So let's talk about these five different methods. And I'm going to order these from most time consuming to least time consuming. And most freelancers, if you are struggling to get clients right now, you have free time to invest into your business so you can put a lot of thought, care, and effort into these more time-consuming methods. And then my busy freelancers, those who have a lot of clients, or they do have a lot of clients, but you're trying to up-level your clientele to bigger, better projects, bigger, better clients, then you're going to venture towards the bottom of this list to things that are less time-consuming, but maybe they take a little bit of money. Maybe you need to put a team member on it. Maybe you need to put a little bit of budget towards it, but you don't have to budget time, which is very scarce resource 
for my successful freelancers that are out there. So strategy number one is the most obvious and the most time consuming, and that's one-to-one touches. That is, I'm going to go touch a human being. And I don't mean like physically, because that's weird. Although you can shake hands and and bump bellies or whatever they say in like the 90s networking scene. But I also mean one-to-one interactions on social media, text message, email follow-ups, anything that's just a one-to-one method is lumped into this category here. So if your business model and your clientele are all local services for local clients, obviously you want to do as much in person as possible. It could be a one-to-one lunch with somebody. It can be showing up at networking events that your clients show up at. It could be just showing up at social events, being part of a social circle, having friends. I think for many people, 2020, 2021, even part of 2022, because of the whole COVID thing, we lost touch with how to be social, how to have social interactions, how to be around a lot of people without feeling social anxiety. I know I felt that way. And now that 2023 is here, we now have more social opportunities, especially in the US. There's no real COVID restrictions anywhere that I know. I'm sure there's some places where it might still be the case, but we don't have any sort of COVID restrictions. But people still haven't really fully embraced the person-to-person method for building relationships, staying top of mind, and building trust with people. So the highest form of trust that you can build with somebody is building a person-to-person relationship. And the more you charge, the more important this part is. And there is no easier way to build a relationship with somebody than in person. If you have to travel to events, do it. If you have to show up to local networking events or join some sort of local networking group like BNI, which is Business Networking International, if that has your type of clients, or it's just some sort of local meetup that your area does, this might be time consuming, but it is definitely worth it, especially for people who have higher average annual client values. Obviously, you can't do a lot of one-to-one stuff with people. If your client values are really low and you're just doing a high volume business, this doesn't work as well for you. So you might want to air towards some of the one-to-many methods I'm going to talk about today, but human-to-human, person-to-person still reigns supreme and is a great way to stay top of mind with people. Now, other one-to-one methods above and beyond just in-person stuff are things like follow-up emails. This to me is like the bare minimum it takes to stay top of mind with people. It can be time-consuming if you have a lot of leads to follow up with, but I think the number one area people struggle with this is they don't want to feel like they're bothering people. If that's you, you need to shift your mindset with this. So think about this. You've got a lead, you've talked even numbers, you've gotten pretty far into the process and then they've ghosted you. And now you have the decision to make. Do I keep following up with them past that five number that Brian told me to do? Because I feel weird. I don't know what to say. I feel like I'm bothering them. I don't want to be a pain in the ass. I don't want to come across as needy. I've heard all the excuses at this point. My thought process has always been this. And I want you to try your best to adopt this mindset. When someone comes to you and they're interested in hiring you for a project, and this is especially true if your clientele are flakier, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I came up in the heavy metal recording space. So producing and recording and mixing and mastering heavy metal bands. And in that space, those are some of the flakiest clients you can have. There are people who are mostly hobbyists. They're doing it out of passion. They love their music, but they're not necessarily making full-time income from it or anything. They're all working day jobs. Some of them working at like fast food restaurants. So for that type of clientele, they're reaching out to you, they're getting numbers, and they may even have sticker shock. And now here's what they're typically doing. Not all cases. This is just my unique situation for my types of clients. They would typically pull back. So if I never talk to them again, in most cases, they would never take the next step to actually record or have their music mixed or ever release their music. And without following up consistently, I would never figure out why they didn't hire me. So my approach was they wanted to take this next step or they would never have contacted me in the first place. So I am keeping their interest at heart by following up because they wanted something. They wanted an album produced. For you, it might be headshots. It may be social media content. It may be they wanted a new branding video. It may be that they wanted to release their film. They need color graded. They need whatever your service is. I can spat off a million things here. They want something from you. 
And by not following up, there's a high chance that they're never going to get that thing. They're never going to take that next step. They're never going to hire anybody. So I found that following up many, 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 many times over a consistent period for an entire year, over a year sometimes, no one ever was mad that I followed up. This never happened one time. But many, 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 many times people thanked me for following up. Now, why is that? Why could I follow up six, seven, eight, 10, 12 times over an entire year and have people thank me for staying top of mind for them? Thank me for following up and sending email after email, many, many, many in a row with no response. Why would they thank me? It's because those constant reminders spurred them to take just a little bit of action, to reconsider, to think about all options that they have, to think about what's going to happen if they don't take the step, to remember why they contacted me in the first place. Think about that. They have something that they want. And by staying top of mind, you're helping them get that thing. Now, all the time people would say, oh, thanks so much. Thanks for the follow-up. We ended up going with X, Y, or Z, another option. Great. To me, that's wonderful. I now know they've made a decision and that's fine. If the decision is not me, I can't fault them for that. That's my fault. I have failed them somewhere. My price wasn't in line with the value that I provide. Someone else was genuinely better fit, whatever. All those things are completely fine with me. What I won't accept with follow-ups is someone who takes no action, who does no next steps, who doesn't hire anybody, who makes no decision. And that's what it is for most people. They'd make no decision. And when you're not following up with them, that no decision means they're saying no to the thing that they originally wanted. There was a gap between where they are now and where they wanted to be. And they decided that you were the one that could fill that potential gap to help them get from point A to point B. And if they didn't make a decision on anybody, then they're still at point A. They never made it to point B and they may have regrets. So by following up over a long period of time, you're doing them a service. I can guarantee you, you will be thanked. Now, there's some other reasons why this, why people don't follow up. These are easier to solve. These are more of excuses than anything, but it could be that you just forget to. If that's the case, get a CRM. There's plenty out there. A good CRM or customer relationship management system will help put reminders in place that spur you to then take action. So they're pushed to you to say, oh, I need to follow up with these people versus pulling it out of you. Oh, I need to remember to follow up with this person. Trying to remember the stuff you never remember. When you have five, eight, 10, 12, 20 new leads a month coming into your business, if you're successful, and that's the number you likely see, if those leads are all coming in every single month, then think about trying to follow up with 20 new leads every month where only five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10 or so are actually hiring you. The other 10 to 15 have not made any decision or gotten back to you. 10 to 15 people a month add up quickly. You, you quickly, by the end of the year, would have maybe 100 leads to juggle that you're trying to remember follow-ups for all 100 of those leads. That's a tough thing to do. You cannot do that without a CRM. There's plenty that are out there. I've used many of them. If you're not sure which one to go with, the two that I'd recommend checking out are PipeDrive, and you can get my affiliate link at pipedrive.studio. That'll give you a 30-day trial if you want to try it out. The plan I recommend for that one is like the $24 a month plan. You don't have to go any higher than that because the feature set past that point is beyond what you'll likely ever need. That's option number one. And option number two is one called Dubsado, D-U-B-S-A-D-O. I don't have an affiliate link for that, but just go check it out. Both have pros and cons. Both can be complex, but no thing worth doing is easy. So just accept that this is a thing you likely need in your business right now. So go check out both of those and then just choose one of the two. Don't go off and try to maximize everything and try every CRM under the sun. Just choose one of those two and move on. We spent a lot of time talking about method number one for being omnipresent. One-to-one human interaction. This is the most time-consuming. It's the hardest to juggle, but some amount of this should still be done. If you have a lot of leads, then just focus on the ones that are the closest to the bottom of the funnel, the closest to pushing past the close. If you have very few leads, then you can push this up the funnel. People who have who are earlier in the decision-making process, people that have just vaguely started conversations with you, things like that. But number two is the second most time-consuming method in this omnipresent strategy, and that is being everywhere for everyone all at once. Huh. 
Great movie, by the way. It's content marketing. And I will try not to spend a ton of time here because I know a lot of freelancers aren't interested in this, but just hear me out a little bit here so we can get to the rest of these. And again, number five on this list, I am not just being clickbaity here. I promise you the last one on this list you have not done. You likely have not heard of this. And it is the least time-consuming method for implementing an omnipresent strategy. But number two, content marketing. I'm specifically talking about long-form content marketing. So full blog articles, longer emails. It could be if you're doing email marketing or a newsletter. We're talking YouTube videos, podcasts like this. This is a wonderful method of one-to-many top of mind, one-to-many nurturing. Every single week, if you're a regular listener, you listen to the show. You see new episode for Six Figure Creative Podcast, the top of your list. Hopefully you listen to it immediately because it's always relevant to what you need. <laughs> and then I get to spend anywhere from 15 minutes to 45 minutes to an hour plus with you, with me in between your ears. Usually you're multitasking, you're on a walk, you're doing dishes, you're working out, you're doing chores. You're on what I call a podcast walk, which is what I do all the time. I try to walk 10, 15,000 steps a day. Most of that time is listening to podcasts. This can take anywhere from one to five hours a week to do, depending on if you have a team, how thorough you are, how systemized you are, how fast you are at content creation. I've gotten much faster over the years. I'm currently 41 minutes into this episode as far as outlining and planning. As far as my time taking on this specific episode that you're watching right now, I know we're less than like 20, 25 minutes into the actual episode, but I will likely spend on this episode about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes this week, and then maybe another five minutes just quality controlling the end of it. And that's my time commitment for this specific episode for this week. And this will be a longer episode. It's not gonna be my shortest that I've done for sure. Now I have a team. I have an editor who edits the show. I have a team member who gets the copy and the email together. And then I usually choose the title of the show. And then I might tidy up some of the copy that goes out in the email to my email list, which we'll talk about in a second. But whatever you choose, if you're gonna do long form content marketing, there's two things you need to keep in mind. One, it needs to be relevant to your ideal clients, not just your peers, not just you, because Usually what you're interested in is not what your clients are interested in. So you'll just end up appealing to more people like you instead of people who want to hire you. Big difference. So that's the first thing. And number two, it needs to actually be valuable. You can't just be fluff. I will step back a little bit and say it could be fluff depending on your strategy. If you're working with bigger clients or clients where you're just offering a cog in the machine type service and you just need little BB pellets for people to remember that you exist, Fluff content can be great to just put in front of people. So it's like, oh, I see that they're putting out content. I'm not going to read it. I don't really care that they're doing it, but they're putting out content. And now I remember you exist. This is probably not the case, but it can be effective for certain people in certain niches. But here's the real reason why content marketing is amazing. Why everyone should be doing some form of it. And that's because it makes everything else in this omnipresent strategy so much easier because we can take bits of what you've done and distribute it everywhere else. Because without some sort of backbone content, something that you're pointing to, even if you're just making a newsletter of all the best resources that are ideal for your client, it could be news articles, it could be other podcasts, it could be resources that they care about. You don't have to create it all. You're just putting it into one newsletter for your ideal clients. But some form of long form content marketing that adds value to your ideal clients, this is a wonderful one-to-many method of not just staying top of mind, but also building trust, building that relationship. And remember what I talked about BBs versus nukes? If you're just a button seat, cog in the machine type freelancer, you likely don't have to do content marketing. But if you're offering transformational, mission-critical services to your clients, content marketing is how you establish authority, demonstrate credibility and expertise. It's how you let them know that you were the right person for the gig, that you're the one that they want to hire for what they're, they're looking for. And most people that I see that are anti-content marketing, they don't want to do it. Those are the people who, A, they need it the most, and B, they have the most extra time. They don't have enough clients. <laughs> I rarely see people who are highly successful push back on content marketing because they understand the big picture, how it's going to affect their business, how it's going to build trust, how it's going to expand their reach, how it's going to help you stay top of mind. They understand it. 
It's the people who are not successful, the ones who are struggling to get clients, the ones who have the most free time, frankly, they're the ones who push back on this the most. Again, nothing worth doing is going to be easy. And if you go back to that series that I mentioned with Chris Doe, the five principles series, such excellent content, so many good nuggets from that. Chris said something like, this is his words and I'm going to completely butcher, but he says, I know I am going to be successful because I'm willing to do the things that no one else is willing to do. And if you look at him and you look at his success as a freelancer and now as a content creator, he is successful because he's willing to do things that no one else is willing to do. He talked about working with clients at a quarter million dollar budget with video production. Most people will never get to budgets like that because they're not doing the things that Chris Doe is willing to do. So that's number two on this list, content marketing. I'm done talking about it. Now we can go to the things that are maybe a little more palpable, something that's a little more easy to think about. And that's social media. I personally don't like social media. I don't really use it. I use what I call minimum viable dose. I make sure that we're posting every week or so just so that there is something on social media so that when people Google us, we're not a ghost town. But I don't heavily invest into those areas because I invest in many other places. So social media is not my forte. I do the bare minimum there. But it is a form of content creation. So if you are doing social media, you're doing content creation. It's short form and photos and maybe just little tweets or threads. That's fine. I wouldn't call it long form, but it's a great way to stay top of mind because every post your potential client or clients see, that's a reminder that you exist. And it allows you to stay top of mind until they're ready to make that decision. So if you talk about the 3% rule, 3% are ready now. The other 97% will be ready over the next 12 months or so. If you're trying to stay top of mind for the other 97%, social media is just little BBs every single day or every few days that you exist. Now, the problem with social media is because it's algorithmically generated or it's controlled by an algorithm, you don't really have any say-so of whether or not your client or potential clients ever see that content. Matter of fact, they have to usually follow you first. So that's difficulty number one. But even if they do follow you, many people only reach 10% or less of their followings, depending on the platform. But it's worth putting on this list because it does help you stay top of mind. And it is part of an omnipresent strategy of being everywhere all the time. And now we get to number four. And then I'm going to get to my favorite one, number five here, which I'm going to go into a little more depth with. But four is a simple one. It's email marketing. It's not dead. And email marketing is wonderful because as far as staying top of mind, even if they never open the email, they almost always see the notification on their phones. So if you send out a weekly newsletter or you send out an email every week for a piece of content you've created, or even once every couple of weeks, or at worst, once a month, you send out an email to your email list. You now have hundreds or thousands, or in my case, tens of thousands of people who see your name and see your subject line, even if they never open the email. Now, if you're great at email marketing and you have a good active list, which mine is, thankfully, it's over 40% open rates, that's great. And I believe my email marketing software says something that my list is around 50% active in a month. So about half the people on my email list will see my content. They'll actually open the emails, which is great. It's not the case for everybody, but this is a wonderful one-to-many method. And it's one of the least time-consuming things because think about this. I or my team can write up an email promoting some content I've already created. I spent an hour, 15 minutes on this episode by the end of this, promote that content through email marketing. And now I have two areas for you to be reminded that I exist. It could be your podcast feed, It could be the post on social media for this episode. It could be the email you see in the subject line. But those are three different areas that you're going to see my name and maybe see my face on social media or my face on the email thumbnail if you get my emails. And even if you don't open it, you're still reminded that I exist because you see my name in your phone notifications. I think most people just underestimate the power of being consistent, where if you see a name over and over and over again throughout a year, even if you're not really engaging heavily in the content, you start to build trust with that person because they're showing up still. I've been doing the content creation game since 2014, almost 10 years, almost a decade now. I put my first article out, first blog article in April, 2014. And I've been consistently putting out podcast episodes since I think the end of 2018. We're 266 episodes into the show now. So even if you don't consume every show, even if you're just on the 
outskirts looking in to see what Brian Hood's up to. You see my name somewhere, you see a new episode, you're gonna look at the title, I'm not interested in that, and that's not really for me. It doesn't matter, I'm still staying top of mind, and you're still seeing that I'm consistently showing up every single week, because here's the best thing about being consistent. Eventually, something might pull you back in, just like your clients, something might pull them back in. And if you have regular content, they might binge through it. If they see you on your emails, that's just one more touch point, one more opportunity to rekindle that relationship that you once had, to reinitiate that conversation you had about working with them. And that's why A, email marketing is not dead, and B, I still heavily invest into it to this day. So just to recap so far, before we get to the fifth one here, the first was just one-to-one touches. That could be in person, it could be one-to-one emails, it could be texts, phone calls, DMs on social media, anything that you could be considered just one-to-one, person-to-person. Wonderful stuff, very time-consuming. The second was content marketing, particularly long-form content marketing, like this episode right here. It's generally speaking the most time-consuming of the things of the rest of this list, but still really worth doing. At first, you might spend up to five hours a week doing this, but as you get into a groove, one to three hours a week tops. Number three, social media. This can be more time-consuming if you're really, really aggressive about it, but I would say that's closer to like a long-form content marketing strategy than a short-form top-of-mind strategy. But I'm talking about relatively minimum viable dose social media goes well here for staying top of mind. And number four, email marketing, just talked about it. Now, number five, my favorite strategy, by the time you're watching this episode, you will have, if I've done my job, you have likely seen this in place. And this is omnipresence retargeting. Here's the overall strategy. Once you set this up, it takes no time whatsoever. It's the least amount of time on this list. It takes a little bit of money, not much, but this is an incredible way to stay top of mind, to promote the content you've created if you're doing content creation, to re-engage with people and be unavoidable (laughs) on social media. And that is through what we call paid retargeting. So the way this works is I have 10 pieces of rotating content, 10 of what I feel like are some of my better pieces of content. They don't have to be the best. It just has to be the right pieces of content to build trust with people, to demonstrate expertise, to get them re-engaged back into your world. If you don't know what retargeting is, retargeting is just essentially showing ads to people who have already engaged with you in some way, shape or form. So I have ads running to everyone who's really ever engage with me. If you're on my email list, if you have been to my website, if you've liked a post of mine, if you've watched a reel or followed me on social media, if you've done anything that Facebook or Meta can track that you've done, I can now retarget you for anywhere from 180 to 365 days. I can show you this set of 10 ads and I can rotate it. And the way this works, and this is really cool, you can set what's called impression capping. So for each of those 10 pieces of content, I can make sure you don't see the same piece of content more than once every X number of days. I think right now I have it set to once every 10 days. So you'll see a brand new piece of content from me every single day. And I will run that until it stops working because it only costs me about $10 a day to run that. I can retarget everyone who's ever engaged with me for $10 a day, which is tens of thousands of people. And I can show them a new piece of content every single day so they don't get burnt out by seeing the same exact ad from me every single day. And each piece of the content is valuable to help you. Now, how does this work for you? Think about this for yourself. You have people who have been to your website. You have people who have followed you on social media. You have people that have watched your reels, people who have liked posts, engaged with you in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you have an email list. All of these things can be retargeted through this omnipresence retargeting campaign. And you can show them whatever you want within, obviously, Meta or Facebook's guidelines. It can be content you've created. It can be lead magnets you've created. It can be reminders to book a call and discuss the project. And if you want to get really advanced, You can segment people based on how far down the funnel they are. So for people who have just engaged with you, maybe they've been to your site, but they haven't joined your email list. You just promote things to get them on your email list. People who are on your email list, but they haven't 
engage with you on a sales conversation, show them content to nurture them until they're ready to actually have a sales conversation with you. People who have had a sales conversation with you but haven't purchased, you can show ads to get them to purchase. Again, this is different for every business that's out there, but this stuff is incredibly powerful and really economical. Again, I am spending $300 a month which is the maximum I can spend on this, given how many times I'm showing ads to people. I can't spend more than that because there's not that many people on this retargeting list. You would have to have hundreds of thousands of people to spend more than that. But this is a powerful way to be everywhere all the time to where people cannot ignore you. And if you're providing viable content, stuff that's genuinely helpful, people cannot help but engage with what you're offering people. Now, you don't have to spend $10 a day on this. You could get by with much less than this. But if you're charging three, $5,000 for a project like I recommend, to spend $10 a day, $300 a month, if you can't get an ROI off of that, you're doing something wrong. That omnipresence retargeting strategy has been something that I, I've been setting up for a while now. It takes a little bit of time to implement. It's not technically easy, but once you have it in place, it just runs on autopilot for you. Anyone who likes a post when you're doing social media, anyone who joins your email list if you're doing email marketing, anyone who visits your website from a referral, people who join your email list from a cold ad, I'm spending a lot of money on lead generation right now for the six-figure creative brand. And I'm getting thousands of new email leads per month from that strategy. All of those people are now going to be put into those retargeting lists to then get more content presented to them every single day. So if you don't see the power in this, I don't know what to tell you, but it is incredible. Those are the five methods that I have for an omnipresent strategy, staying top of mind for over a year. I am willing to invest time, effort, and energy because many people are not willing to do that. I'm willing to do that and I will get results that those people are not going to get. So if you want to be the person who is willing to do the hard work to get the results that those other people are not willing to do, then all five of these are worth pursuing. But if you want help with this, I'm more than happy to help. That's what I have coaching for. It's not for everybody. Matter of fact, I'd say for many of our listeners, coaching is not right because you're not in the right spot. My coaching program that helps with things like this omnipresent strategy, it is right for people who have plateaued at about 50 to 60 to $75,000 a year You've run out of clients because you've tapped out your local network and you're trying to expand your network to sell to strangers. That is who this coaching program is for. If you're beyond six figures and you're trying to level up to bigger clients or you're trying to productize a service so that you can hire a team to then take this off your plate and build something more scalable, this coaching program can help with that. But if you're at the very beginning of your journey and you haven't even implemented some of the strategies that I taught for free on this show over the last 266 episodes, not for you. I promise we will be wasting our time having this conversation. But if you are the right fit for this and you're ready to have a serious conversation, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coaching to apply. Fill out the application, book a call. We'll see if you're a fit. And if not, we will part ways as friends. So that is all for this episode. I hope this one's helpful for you. Let me know what your thoughts on this omnipresent retargeting strategy that I talked about number five there, because I'd love to see more people implement this. But as always, thank you so much for listening to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I'll see you all next week. 